Outside your house, you tell me, all right? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 124. Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 2004, Shaun of the Dead, Sean tells Liz they are going to eat at the place that does all the fish. Fast forward to the scene when Sean is trying to call the restaurant to book a reservation. The phone book lists the restaurant as the place that does all the fish. Not to mention Quentin Tarantino has hailed this as one of the top 20 movies made since 1992. Our guests this time around are award-winning horror filmmakers, the Pierce Brothers, Brett and Drew. They join us to talk about their witchy new film, The Wretched, a time of release available on VOD and digital as of May 1st, as well as select drive-in movie theaters. How amazing is that? This film is a blast. These guys have an amazing backstory. You'll find out why they call them the Sons of Evil Dead. Let's just say it's Uncle Bruce Campbell to them. Also, hear about their adventures creating the hilarious zombie comedy action film Deadheads that is a must-see, designing an original mythology for their own witch story, and more. Crawl under a tree in the woods as we cast a spell on you. This is Brett. And this is Drew. And we're the Pierce Brothers. And you're about to feast on the souls of the Boo Crew. Dad, Mom's being weird. Mom's always been weird. What are you doing up here? Don't let her in. My son likes to play hide and seek. Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two adventurous and talented writers and directors. Their first feature was 2002's Dead Undead. The award-winning anthology film Secrets of Fenville, followed by the absolute riot of a zombie action comedy, Deadheads, which earned them an Outstanding Achievement in Filmmaking Award and Best Comedy Award during its festival run in 2011. They make rich, character-driven movies that are impossible to look away from. They are done with passion and reverence to the films they love. You can feel that off the screen. The projects they have done thus far are laden with impeccably done practical effects, unforgettable performance and dialogue, tons of style, and a thing that is impossible to fake, a ton of heart. Their latest film is a perfect showpiece of all those elements that make these guys unique. It is called The Wretched. At time of release, it's available in select drive-in theaters, digital and VOD as of May 1st. With us are creators, Brett and Drew Pierce, otherwise known as the Pierce Brothers. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I love that intro. I want to drag you guys along with us on the uh, festival trail next time. <laughs> <laughs> we are down. So, first of all, Congratulations on this film and thank you for taking the time to join us. So we wanted to start off with a bit of cool historical context that some people might not know. You guys have been referred to as the sons of the evil dead. How did that come to be? By pure luck and our parents drinking too much one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was 
it was mainly our dad was the uh, original effects artist on the first Evil Dead when we were kids. So Drew is a t- Drew is like a newborn, and I think I was two or three. And Dad and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and all those guys piled into our basement um, after shooting Evil Dead down in Tennessee, and they d- finished all the practical effects down in our basement, like the big meltdown sequence that uh, is like the culmination of Evil Dead. So. We got stuck being around all those goofballs, so <laughs> it, was, it was great. Yeah, we grew up with the legends of Sam Raimi. That, those guys were our heroes. That is so cool. So were you guys privy to exactly what was going on there? Had you even seen a horror film at that point? Well, the legend goes that Brett wandered down into the basement and saw the final meltdown sequence as they were like working through it when he was like two and a half. Wow. <laughs> and was petrified. Oh, wow. And never wanted to go into our basement after that because they, you know, they, they had like bloody hands everywhere and, you know, nasty stuff. Yeah, they brought like cockroaches and snakes into the house and they like destroyed every. They broke all the mirrors in the house doing special effects. So it was like my mom's got these two little kids and she's, you know, a new mother trying to raise us and she's dealing with all these like crazy kid filmmakers that are just like making blood in the sink. So <laughs> it was great. That is amazing. So what ended up being some of the first films you actually watched? Did you was the Evil Dead one of the ones that your dad actually sat you down after and said, this is what we did in the basement? Well, it was funny because we we kind of because I was so terrified from that instance in the basement. I had this like heightened sense of I was like horror movies are the worst thing ever. I I can't watch them. They, They terrify me. So it wasn't until I was about like 14 and like the Evil Dead 2 VHS in the cupboard was sitting there like my whole life that I finally put it on and started watching the Evil Dead stuff. And I got obsessed from there on out. But I had this, like, this just, like, impractical vision of what horror movies were, that they were going to, like, melt my face and make me die immediately from watching them. But as soon as I started watching them, I was like, this is terrifying, but I love it. (laughs) So that's kind of where it started. What was it about them that you found moved you? In what ways did the genre attach itself to each of you? It was visceral. You know, it's the same thing that I think everybody has. People were like our friends were having sleepovers watching like Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's the like, are you old enough to watch this? You know, can you handle this? Are you, you know, I I think it's it's just that uh, it's that like dare that I think uh, most filmmakers, when you talk to them, especially horror filmmakers, they always have some sort of story about how they were like the ones who initially were the most scared of something. And eventually they overcame it. And like, like it's it's sharing that with others, you know. Yeah. Plus, I miss all those like horror movies that like, I mean, they make a lot of horror films don't feature children as the lead characters as much anymore. So it was like back then we had all these terrifying films that I identified with the characters so much, but they were being haunted or stalked by absolutely horrendous monsters and fiends. (laughs) What were some of those movies that became your personal horror benchmarks? We could start with you, Drew. Oh, man. Fright Night was probably a big one. That, a huge inspiration for, for our movie here. The Thing was, <laughs> we saw that way too early. Uh, I think once the, uh, the door was open, when we were like, pro- I was probably about 12. Brett's a couple years older than me. Um, we started watching, we watched Evil Dead and a couple of those movies. The, 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 the doors were open and we just watched everything. Our, our dad worked his, his sort of side hustle. He worked as like a transfer artist for CBS Fox. So he transferred Fright Night 2 and all these classic Dracula movies. And we would just plow through all that stuff. We were the only kids in the neighborhood with a VHS, <laughs> like uh, players. So we'd like drag everybody to our house and watch, you know, with a crowd of like 
15 kids like the the newest movies completely inappropriate stuff <laughs> yeah so, it's great yeah. <laughs> brett how about you anything that stood out it's always been for me it's obviously the thing is always a big thing but it's always been the original john carpenter's halloween i just love it to death i can just watch that movie every day but i love aliens weirdly enough was just one of those movies that we just rewatched and rewatched. So it was like a little bit of thing a little bit of aliens and a lot of halloween <laughs> Did you guys get into the whole thing like when laser discs came out and they started to introduce special features and all the behind the scenes <laughs> things? Was that a big part of your, your personal histories as well? Oh, that's funny, man. Our dad actually did uh, his his job when he first moved to Los Angeles was making special edition laser disc box sets. No way. So, yeah. Yeah. So as kids. We actually got, we worked on some, like we worked we on the special edition, on and <laughs> the abyss and the like abyss and aliens. aliens. Yeah. Yeah. But we were like kids sets that were like a hundred bucks back then. Yeah, that exactly. was money. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, we love that stuff. And we worked at a video store too. No like way. Make move. So yeah, we were obsessed with laser discs. Oh we my the, God. We were the ones, you know, when we found out that letterbox was a thing, you know, when we were in our teens. That was, you know, that was our favorite thing. Like, you're missing half the screen if you cut off the sides. <laughs> and scan. When you guys worked at the video store, is there like one movie that stands out that everybody rented that you were like, oh my gosh, this again? Man, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to mention it. It, so it was like bring it on came out and every teenager rented it but everybody's like dad and grandpa rented it too so it really oh creeped me out <laughs> yeah i feel like parade of 50 year old dudes would come in like renting that yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're at a progressive store they had so they had the biggest porn collection i think in the u.s so i don't know why they're renting bring it on <laughs> oh, wow what store was it a chain store or was it like a, a small indie oh. It was called Thomas Video. It was, I guess they had a sister store that was in, um, that, that was very similar in like Canada somewhere everybody always talks about, but it was, they had like the biggest collection uh, in the nation, I guess. Yeah, we had like Tarantino, like when we finally closed up, like swooped in and bought a bunch of laser discs and VHS because we had like the widest selection of films in the whole U.S. So there was a cool there, place. There were like a dozen VHS tapes that you had to leave like a hundred and fifty dollar deposit because they were like the only copies you could get, <laughs> you know, of these rare tapes. It was cool. Whoa. I remember still like I think Lauren and I would like run around the city trying to find a VHS copy of was it Mother's Day Troma's Mother's Day yeah and you would like you you would like get a video membership at a store just because they that particular store had that movie and you'd have to drive whatever an hour out to this one store to get this one I kind of miss those days of having to yeah. go through that you know yeah there's a treasure hunt aspect to it that was so so much fun right and those movies end up meaning so much to you yeah yeah it's like a pride thing too if you can like buy it and you have that collection you're like i have this it doesn't exist anymore and i just you know i don't have any physical media anymore it's depressing <laughs> right although now you know it could come yeah. in handy if all of a sudden all the servers shut down and everything's yeah. on netflix <laughs> right yeah this is all changing my mind right now I'm gonna start again. <laughs> 2002 you did dead undead and you crashed sundance with it <laughs> you actually know that sorry i'm like oh my god they brought up dead undead yeah yeah we we, we co-directed this i mean we were probably like 19 years old we co-directed this uh horror feature with a group of our friends we all just we all wanted to make movies we were all inspired by you know all the filmmakers of the time like tarantino and all the the indie horror guys and we made this like really low budget sort of crappy 
you know, monster in the woods and kids hiding out in a cabin movie, as you do, uh, <laughs> for, I think we made it for a, some total budget of like four grand. And we decided it was, it was so amazing. We had to bring it to Sundance, even though they didn't accept our movie. <laughs> We're going to have our own little festival. So we rented a, a loft. And just started, we, we, you know, at the time, I think we were like, we were hitting around 21 when it finished. And we basically would go get tipsy and give people flyers and say, come watch our movie. And every, <laughs> every couple of days we'd get like three or four people would show up and they'd be like, is this the uh, film festival for your movie? <laughs> we actually got a, a distributor to come by and he, he picked it. He bought it for, I think it was like 22 grand, which, you know, was a yeah. big success for us. That was more, more than it cost to make it. That there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they dubbed it in German. We were like, oh, they dubbed it in German. They spent more money on the movie dubbing it in German. So our, <laughs> our favorite story with that movie is Bruce Campbell's always been sort of like the weird uncle to us. So we see him every couple of years. We'll go grab. We just grabbed lunch with him uh, a, a month back. But uh, back then we brought him in and we're like, well, okay, we've we've made a movie, Bruce. It's a horror movie. We got to show it to you. You know, he's like, he's in on it and. Uh, we showed him in our buddy's crappy apartment and um, he kind of dug into us and just said, guys, this doesn't have a sound mis- mix. This looks like shit. This <laughs> book, the whole thing He's like, you got to get a fixed sound mix. And in our uh, at the time, we were like, but Bruce, can you just give us a quote? We need a quote to try and sell this thing. We need a quote to try and like Bruce Campbell says this movie's pretty cool. And uh, he basically was like, I'm not giving you guys a quote. You guys don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> he went to, and he loved us. Oh, wow. He, he went to leave our our, our buddy's apartment. And uh, our, our, our producer buddy, who was a little hot-headed, was like, Bruce, I need a quote. And he basically, just as he stepped out of the door, he says, you want a quote? It didn't suck as much as I thought it would. <laughs> and he slammed the door. And we called him the next day and said, hey, Bruce, can we have that quote? We think that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever find a copy of Dead on Dead, our masterpiece, it says on the box, it didn't suck as much as I thought it would. Bruce said in a perfect Bruce Campbell style. You couldn't have asked for a better quote. <laughs> oh, God. 2011's Deadheads is such a blast. And if anyone listening to this has not seen Deadheads, please see Deadheads. I, I, I don't think I've honestly laughed. I was like Lauren and I were watching it. I was crying laughing and that's never <laughs> happened during a horror movie i think in ever in my lifetime you guys yeah. did such a great job on that thanks yeah it's held together with bubble gum and scotch tape but we're so proud of that movie it was it was film school for us it was so much fun well speaking yeah. of that first of all the cast absolutely carries this movie and michael mckitty brings so much heart to his character and ross kidder has these amazing one-liners and his hilarious delivery and emily and her whiny voice and cliff and mcdinkle and it's unforgettable <laughs> But it it follows in your tradition of having really strong, iconic characters. Where is the power in that for you? I think just for us, it's like it's the only way to get people on your side when you watch a movie is we just got to care about characters. And Drew and I, I mean, we spend more time talking about the characters than we do the story. And usually we work out a ton of backstory that never makes it into the movie. But the only thing it does is like if we do that, then we kind of understand who they are and what they want. And we end up caring about them that like the script kind of writes itself. So it's 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 just a rule like we we don't move forward. Even if we got a good idea for like a creepy idea or a new twist on something, we're kind of like, yeah, that twist idea is really cool. But who's going to be in it and why am I going to care when something tries to eat them. (laughs) So it's just, it's just the rule, you know, but it's, I don't know. I don't know how to make a movie without trying to do that because 
It never and feels I, like it's working. <laughs> I think at the time with Deadheads, you know, it's this buddy road trip comedy about this sort of like, you know, flawed journey. It's it's kind of hopeless. And at the time, Brett and I, we, we always realized that the stories we write, it's it, they're always just a reflection of yourself. I think every writer kind of realized that, but we never know till later. And afterwards, we realized we're like, oh, this is this is when we were planning to move to California, like desperate to sort of become filmmakers and struggling and <laughs> us supporting each other. And it, that that heart and soul sort of worked its way into the into that story oh is that ever cool and yeah like god <laughs> what about lines like like mcdinkle was his stuff completely off the cuff Free it was all, oh, so, so a lot of the we about half of the cast from deadheads as you do they, they were like friends who were you know were actors or wanted to be actors but mcdinkle is definitely the mo- the biggest example of that he was just like the funny kid in high school like everybody <laughs> has that funny kid who just says like the witty thing and can retort so quick and that was our buddy Ben Webster. And he's just hilarious. Like, he's the guy that you just don't stop laughing at, you know, on a Friday night. And can, <laughs> so we just kind of let him after every take. We just let and it's the most improv we've ever done. But we just let him just run with, and riff on like five, ten different jokes every time. <laughs> was that a character he would do in high school? It was actually more kind of random. Like we invited him to a table read because we just wanted to hear the script read aloud. Yeah. And. He w- we weren't even planning on using him. We like we thought we were going to cast like a fifty year old dude with a pot belly, and he comes. And he's just he's like this twenty two year old kid, and he starts doing this like <laughs> you know Macho Man Randy Savage voice. And yeah. we're like, <laughs> like, I think it should be Ben. I don't know. <laughs> so it was it was kind of just like we just got to give it to him because everybody in the room's dying laughing. So that that's let's do this. <laughs> oh my god, it's so great. Yeah. And the campfire scene was that that it seems so natural. That that was one of the moments where we were like in stitches and we've never been stoned, <laughs> but it felt like we were stoned <laughs> with the guys. Oh, was yeah. that, again, was that was that hard to get that? I mean, cuz the jokes in that scene landed at just the right times and the chicken sandwich and all that stuff was <laughs> <laughs> that was a rewrite the day of we were really? at that location so we we actually had written a really bad stoner scene it's sort of like one of those tropey scenes that ends up in a lot of like horror movies where you're just like oh they're stoned what are they going to talk about <laughs> silly stuff yeah. and we came to we, we realized sort of in the, the 11th hour like we need to do two things with this we have these we have the straight man and the funny guy Let's reverse their roles. Let's make the straight man gets high and the funny guy. And we had it the opposite way, which seems it seems so obvious it would be the reversal. But that's sort of what makes that that scene sort of sing. We took all of our dialogue and just threw it out because it was sort of like bad stoner dialogue. I think they were talking about like the universe or that was like this last minute sort of. But it's sort of Brett and I's process. We we usually rework scripts to death and storyboard and do also this preparation. But it's sort of that willingness like. If something's not working, we'll just toss it out in the day of, come up with a completely new idea. Wow. How long was the makeup process on that movie? The zombies <laughs> looked really good. Thanks. Well, we thought it was going to be short. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing it, but like, like every time it was always like, is cheese ready yet? It's been like four hours. Oh, he looks so good. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was a constant nightmare because sometimes like he, they, they got really good at it towards the end. Like It might take him like 40 minutes. But like early on, it was just like 
Oh man, we were supposed to start shooting four hours ago. What are we doing? So, I mean, it's, it's amazing we finished that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the bar, uh, you know, not to harp on, on <laughs> we'll get to the rest in a sec, but the bar at the beginning where you have this amazing title sequence, the grindhouse deteriorated, deteriorated film stock, and there's so much going on in that scene with practical effects and choreography. Was that entire day shooting that particular scene, everything that went on in that in that bar, a learning experience? for you just to choreograph oh man i, I hate that bar because <laughs> we were stuck in there for like we were in like, there for days well, we were supposed to be there for like a day and a half and we ended up being in there for like four days and i was like i just want to burn this place down <laughs> i'm so sick of being in this like 20 by 20 feet so, uh, so when i say myself. like deadheads was our film school we we didn't have like an official AD, we were texting people the schedules each day. Like we didn't know what we were doing as far as, you know, we had shot like really indie movies, but we'd never, nothing was planned. So everything went really slow. <laughs> it was, it was kind of the evil dead process is the truth. Like evil dead shot on and off over the course of like a year. Like deadheads was the slowest shoot ever because we just, nobody knew we weren't very organized, <laughs> a very different style. Yeah, the the wretched was shot in about less than half the time we shot all of Deadheads, which seems insane right now. It should never have been, but that's the case. Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys again uh, with Deadheads, you guys pulled off all those practical effects so well, (laughs) and it was so fun. And yeah, everyone, you got it. You got to see Deadheads, and then you got to watch the wretched, which we're going to talk about now. So take us. Oh, oh, you have another Deadheads (laughs) question right here. Here we go. I really, I I love this movie. It was so good. Did you guys? have an idea for a second a whole plan of what would happen after because i feel well, like there is a I second story you, there's two that. things we did make a short there is a deadhead short <gasps> and it's on vimeo and it's kind of a companion short that just features cheese and it's called smush it's, it's only like 10 minutes but it's it's pretty cool we really really wanted and we still kind of want to do this just because i love all the guys we got to make this movie like ross and mike and those guys we really want to make a Christmas Deadheads movie. So like a bit, yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Christmas or something like that. It just, I don't know. We just, we've thought about it for a while. I mean, it'll probably never happen. But, no. you know, maybe someday I'll be like, I'm eating my words. We're getting to make that stupid ass Christmas movie we've been wanting to make forever. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, we're very excited about that. Yeah. And Ross shows up in The Wretched though, right? He does. He plays the cop and actually Cliff from deadheads is the old man in the uh, convenience store so yeah we hit a couple of deadheads cameos in there take us (laughs) to your development on the wretched script it was basically drew and i just for the longest time wanting to kind of invent our own creature with rules because drew is always like you know what makes a good horror movie i love a good vampire movie i love a good zombie movie and it's because they have rules and i understand like what the stakes are so we just were excited about doing a witch because we uh, there's been a lot of great movies that feature witches, but in truth, there hasn't been a lot of continuity or rules about those witches. So we were kind of excited, like, we get to kind of invent the witch and give her rules like traditional other, you know, creatures and stuff have. So we started reading a bunch of mythology about all these different witches around the world, and we were mostly inspired by one called Black Annis, which is a UK-based witch that's a witch that lives in a tree and kidnaps children, has long, creepy fingernails. And then Drew was really into this Appalachian witch called the Boo Hag, which is a witch that, it's like a slipskin witch that wears other people's skins and slips out of the skin. You pour salt in her skin to kill her. So we got really excited about those two ideas. 
And we're like, hey, that's there's our rules, and we can add a few more, and we kind of hodgepodge all these different witches from around the world to kind of make our little ultimate uber witch. <laughs> the Boo Crew will be right back. See the place where life completely stops and complete terror begins. See the dead brought back to screeching life. See the bloody revolt and vengeance of Dr. Frankenstein. See the most fiendish monster ever conceived. Frankenstein must be destroyed. All new and all too terrifying from Warner Brothers in color. Rated M. Mature audiences. The film was originally called Hag, correct? Yes. yes. And why was it changed? Well, how do you guys feel about that title first off? I like it. <laughs> I, I actually too. think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, think it's I cool wish you guys well. would have been in the room when we screened it. To, like, we, we kept screening it to uh, friends in our apartment, like 10 people, 10 random people, 10 random people. And everybody was like, man, I really, really like your movie, but I wouldn't see it. If it was called Hag, we're like, what? But we love yeah. that title. <laughs> it was probably like one in every like four or five people would just say, I hate that title. I wouldn't want like a lot of people did like the title, but there'd be like one in four or five that would just be like, I'd never see a movie called Hag. That sounds so stupid. And, you know, we, at the end of the day, you know, the movie is for an audience. Same with our scenes is like you got to listen to the audience and, and listen to what they're saying. So we we freaked out and we just started searching for, you know, other titles. <laughs> It was a bit of a journey. We came up with this uh, initially, our sort of first plan. We came up with this idea, like, what if we don't title our movie? What if we make it just the symbol? It's a witch movie. Oh, interesting. And we got excited about that. But then we were like, nobody would ever be able to find it on Netflix. or whatever. <laughs> How are they going to like <laughs> search for our movie or find reviews? So we were really excited about that. And we liked the idea of pissing off like film snobs who are, would be outraged that we didn't name our title. Like we just do something funny about that to us. But then we fell onto the title The Wretched, which we, we really liked. We, it felt witchy. We'd never heard anything titled that. It just felt it felt like the movie. So Yeah, yeah I like the, the, the in front of it, too. Part. Yeah, yeah. That was like a three-hour debate. Like, is it Wretched or is it The Wretched? And then some people were like, I don't know which one makes more sense. I'm like, The Wretched just sounds more like specifically one thing. So we're like, let's go with that. <laughs> I, I definitely spent more time trying to come up with a title for this movie than I did for either of my children. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a haul. I know you guys are into witches and witch mythology. We have two witch remakes on the horizon, like The Craft yeah. and The Witches. What are you guys' thoughts on these remakes? Are you excited? I'm super excited. I love the original The Witches. Uh, it's Rod Dahl. Like, that movie is great. And I always wanted to see a grown-up version of that. Like, what do witch creatures look like in an actual, like, adult sort of horror film. So I'm excited to see what they do with that. I, I, I don't know who's attached or who's directing it. I hope they kill it because that's Robert Zemeckis. I think he's going to do OK. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that guy. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Right, Bobby. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, what was the other one? The craft. The craft. The craft. I read a draft. Our buddy wrote a draft of that. I think it's very different. I thought the original craft is a fun movie. I don't know what they're going to do to make it, you know, sort of updated. It's <laughs> it feels so of the 90s. 
So I don't know what they're going to do to sort of update it or make it feel edgy. But I'm excited to see both of them. Did you guys ever see that movie in, in the 90s? It was like mid-90s called Little Witches. It was kind of like a, a Canadian version of the craft. Yeah, wait, I remember that movie. It was actually yeah. really yeah, I, good. Yeah, it's a good movie. I haven't thought of that movie since I worked at the video store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where it, it was yeah. one of those ones that had like a cool video box, but it had the same kind of Feruza Balk looking witch on the cover. I think it yeah. said like, forgive us, father, for we have sinned or something it was a tagline. Like it was one of those things you look in and go, I got to rent this. And it was actually yeah, good. Yeah. I got to see that again. I can't. I, yeah, I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah, it's like people are starting to discover it again. Everyone loves witches now, man. It's awesome. It's perfect time cool, for, the, for yeah. the wretched. So talk about creating your unique take on the witch and, and developing, first of all, like just developing that really cool symbol, that glyph that kind of symbolizes her. The best part about that symbol is like Drew and I kind of knew for a long time what it was. That it was just like, it's an upside down triangle. And our production designer who had read the script and we had never really talked to her about the symbol and finally came to the day where we actually had to make the symbol for the first time. And I think she was all freaked out like, what's this symbol? It's going to be really complicated. It's going to be hard for me to make this. And Drew just draws like an upside down like triangle in the air. She's like, great. I love it. It's easy. <laughs> she like started cutting it into the tree. But um, yeah, it was just, we, we just wanted to kind of, we, we decided a long time ago that the witch was going to be very tied to nature because she obviously lives in a tree and her avatar would always be kind of like deer iconography. So from the get go, we just kept on wanting to work this thing. And that kind of looked like a deer's head or just looked like a simple symbol that everybody could watch the movie and kind of take a little bit of the story with them just from seeing the symbol. So, How did you develop the way the witch moved? Because that was very unique. I mean, we had a lot of ideas and there's a lot of creatures sort of, we looked at a lot of like creature performances and stuff, but, uh, but ultimately we put out a casting call to just <laughs> a bunch of local uh, actresses and like contortionists and dancers in the, the Michigan area where we were shooting and we got all these like really hilarious tapes back. So many of them are just people trying to, you know, growling at the camera, and <laughs> jumping around <laughs> awkwardly. Um, but we uh, in that we found the we found gold that we struck gold. We found this uh, girl, Madeline Strunkel. She was a dancer, a trained dancer. And um, she just was so good at sort of articulating and uh, like these weird, creepy movements with her back and popping her her. Uh, <laughs> her shoulder blades. Yeah. So it, we we basically just worked with her and just sort of uh, kind of developed the feel of it. Yeah. And then we got really lucky because Zara, who plays Abby, who eventually is possessed by the witch, she came along and she kind of just did a lot of similar movements in a lot of her scenes. So it was as much us saying, yeah, we want you to be kind of poppy and cricky. But honestly, all the credit goes to Zara and Madeline for kind of creating that visual jarring look that the way she moves, because that's just them kind of going for it. I want to talk about the scene with the baby monitor, because that scared me so much <laughs> because we have four kids and I always see the monitor and I'm always a little afraid to look because I'm like, is it something going to be there? Like I would lose my shit <laughs> if I saw something. And I feel like my mind, like at three in the morning when the baby's crying, something's going to be there that's <laughs> not there. Talk about doing that. Like, is that something that you guys has happened to you being parents? I was a new dad as we were prepping to make this movie. My kid's actually in the movie. He's the baby. <laughs> Free Aww, <labor. laughs> so cute. Yeah. Uh, to my wife's dismay. Yeah. No, she's fine. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I was a new dad. And I mean, every night I'm staring at this baby monitor that then it just the, the sound that comes out of those things. It's this like it's like it feels like the oldest generation. Like, how is the sound not better by now? It's right. like distorted, <laughs> bad TV yeah. sound. And your baby has these like glowy, demonic eyes. And they're like looking back up at the camera. Sometimes you're like, is he looking at me? Like, they're just creepy on every level. And yeah, I mean, I got those ideas because there's a lot of times you wake up in the middle of the night and you go to the door. And sometimes they stop crying and you go like, should I go in? And then you walk back and you go back to sleep. And that just struck me. I'm just like, that's so creepy. What if there was something in the room and I decided to go to sleep? What what an asshole I am to like just leave my baby, to, you know, then <laughs> for himself. Like you don't know what's in there. Like and we just wanted to play into that. Oh, so great. And the night when the crying stops, that's even scarier. Right. Especially with a new yeah. baby. We're like, they got a new baby. Oh, shit. No crying. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, and it's, it's this delicate balance because we definitely didn't want to be the gore fest movie. Like we didn't want to like show violence towards kids. That's just something we didn't. We didn't want to turn people off. We wanted to creep out people that would not necessarily want to see that type of thing. So sure. it's sort of this balance of like we don't necessarily address it when kids disappear. It's sort of just like scary that you don't know what happened to them. Is there any local witch creature or supernatural lore attached to this filming location of Northport, Michigan? The closest thing is there's a town called Ada nearby called the Ada Witch, but it's not specifically tied to what we did in the movie. But Ross Kidder, who played the cop in this one, was in Deadheads. Every time we talked about making this movie, he just had to retell me the creepy story of the Ada Witch, which is essentially it's that same myth everybody hears. Like they're driving down the road and there's a girl at the side of the road that asks for a ride, which everyone thinks is like their unique myth to their town. But it's just an <laughs> urban legend that everybody co-ops everywhere. So I was like, Ross. I know that myth, man. It's it's everybody's. It's not for here. <laughs> so, but but not specifically. We just kind of came up with our own thing based on a, a lot of mythology that we liked. So, but you know, I hope it like I hope like twenty years from now, like kids that live in northern Michigan near Traverse City, where we shot, are kind of like this is where the wretch lives in this woods somewhere. <laughs> but but we'll see. <laughs> Did anything supernatural or creepy happen on set while filming? Oh man, that's a good. Oh, creepiest thing that happened to me was those two houses that we shot the movie in are actually a bed and breakfast that are in the middle of nowhere. And it's super quiet out there. It's like, it's Northern Michigan. Like you turn off the lights and all you hear are the crickets and you can see every star in the sky, but it's like dead quiet other than that. And one night after shooting, I went to bed and I was alone in one house and Drew was like in the other house with our dad who was snoring away. And somebody knocked on my front door and I went downstairs and it was just some random guy asking for directions. But if you knew where we were at, there was nothing out there. And this was like two in the morning. That is so weird. Was, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, why did he walk all the way back? Like the driveway's like, you know, a block and a half in to get to this house. So like, why did he walk up here? The light wasn't even on. So I don't know. That, that was the creepiest thing that happened to me. But that sounded like that, a cop out. Like he was gonna, looking yeah. to break in and uh, just checking if someone was there or something. Huh? It's even scarier. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about horror movies in general, they're like it, they're kind of fun sets. Like historically, I feel like comedies are <laughs> more intense and, uh, and somber uh, horror movies. You're laughing a lot like people are in a good mood. Yeah. Scariest thing was all the showers up north tend to have spiders in the drain. That was <laughs> the scariest thing to me. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you guys uh, write a, a backstory or complete treatment for the creature witch? We have our own mythology. I don't think we've shared it. I mean, it's it, 
pretty loose, but essentially just that she's it's almost hey. like woman. Should we tell it? Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Drew and I have ideas for a sequel that we really want to do. Ooh. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of some of it plays it, into that. Yeah, it, it builds out. We definitely built a thorough backstory with a lot of more details and elements to build out the story further with the witch. And I feel like we just kind of cracked the surface with it in this movie. It's a weird thing. You finish the movie, you're immediately like, you don't think you're ever going to want to like be working on that story again. But I immediately walked out of it and like, I got some really good ideas if we do something else. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, that's very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, we'll maintain yeah. the mystery because we need it yeah. to unfold in other films. That's what we need. And so what about about, about developing the look of the creature as far as the uh, aesthetic look, the makeup effects on the creature? Yeah, my background, I'm a, I worked in animation forever and uh, as like a concept sort of character designer and uh, storyboard artist on like on features and stuff in L.A. So we we spent a long time just designing different sort of looks for the witch before we went into, you know, making it. And then um, it was great when we brought on Eric Porn, his actual name, Eric Porn. He's a super talented uh, makeup effects artist. We basically jammed out and sort of took my designs and then he riffed off on that and did a bunch of sculpts and different sort of designs. And then I would we were actually I was we were back in Michigan at the time getting ready to shoot while he was sort of prepping all that. And he would send me his sculpts. I would draw over top of them, send them back and he would re-sculpt them sort of based on my notes. And it was sort of this cool collaborative process back and forth till we we sort of got to a place. But it's very Mike Mignola sort of inspired less is more you know, kind of minimalist creature design. But uh, it was striking that balance with the design that didn't feel it's easy to like build up too much over top of somebody's anatomy and make a creature just feel sort of immobile and um, like it's not alive. And that was sort of the, the tricky balance we struck. And then design and construction of this beautiful witch's layer that we get to experience in the film. That was a huge challenge just because we uh, we didn't know we were going to build that cave set. And lucky enough, the small town we were shooting in Northport, like the people that run the town are like, we bought this old crappy auto body garage and we're going to turn it into like offices eventually. We're like, but if you power wash it, you can build your cave there. So we, uh, oh, we yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was like our little like goofy back clock in northern Michigan. So we just power washed it and our, our production designer, uh, my layer and uh, Fury and a bunch of others. They were just building that thing the whole time we were shooting. It was kind of that was always pushed to the end of the shoot because it was such an overhaul to do. But the funniest thing is like that thing was a nightmare, man. It was like a swamp in there. You got like 20 people you're trying to cram inside of it. And and we actually like shot it from all different directions because it actually wasn't very big. We had to like make removable walls and move things around and make it feel like different areas and all this other stuff. So it was like playing jenga man yeah it's, it's yeah. like 10 square feet and we <laughs> had to look make it look like a labyrinth under there yeah. yeah it was a challenge it was fun though and then how was the effect of the decomposing plants done that happens a couple times in this film it That's looks amazing time lapse the one credit that we uh we, we love to say that we demoted our father from doing these special effects on evil dead to rpa <laughs> <laughs> but, but the one job we did give him is um, the entire production of the thing. We kept punting. We knew we had to do some time lapse, sort of basically get these plants to die and then shoot a time lapse and do. We, we basically shot a plate and overlapped it. So it looks like it's in real time, like these plants are dying. So that was his job is to learn how to kill plants as quick as possible. And we basically we needed to get it down to like six hours. So 
the entire production for like a couple of weeks. My dad is just going out and buying, he's like buying lamps to sort of heat them up so they die quicker and buying like weed killers and experimenting with different things. And he'd buy like a, you know, a dozen plants and he'd be like, all right, are we ready to shoot it? It's Tuesday. We're going to shoot it. Right. And we'd be like, no, we're doing it next Tuesday. We got too much going on. And we kept punting it. It wound up being the last shot of uh, principal photography. <laughs> yeah. Practical plant effects. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Many plants were killed in the uh, filming of this. It was, uh, it was a good last night. It was a good last night because we all piled, drew myself, the DP, and our AC were the only ones left. And we set up the plant to wilt. And we just sat in the other room till like six in the morning playing Lord of the Rings Risk and drinking bad wine, waiting for the plants to die. Oh <laughs> my we, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. One of our favorite scenes is, there, is there's one where half a face is close up in the frame and the camera's shooting something coming in the background from over her shoulder. What are some of your favorite scenes in terms of how they came out from storyboard to execution? I think my favorite scene is probably the confrontation between Ben and the witch, basically at the base of the stairs and Zara. Mm. Uh, Abby, <laughs> so many different names. That scene, I think for Brett and I was sort of the, the center point. That was like what we wrote the entire story around. We had this idea for what the story would be that we'd do this like sort of a rear window style horror movie with, with a witch that lived across the street. But that was sort of the scene that we just were so excited to get to. And I think it came out. it's almost exactly what we storyboarded, but like, I think Zara just brought so much to that scene and same with JP, like that confrontation is like the heart of the movie for me. I think for me, it was uh, when Jameson Jones, who plays Ben's dad goes up into the barn and kind of discovers the hags or the, the wretches stuff, (laughs) stuff, yeah, stuff, whatever. I don't want to spoil it. We had initially written the script that that took place like in the kitchen of the neighbor's house, which sounds really boring. But when we visited the location and we checked out the house, we're like, man, this house is amazing. There was this barn in the backyard and we went upstairs and we looked at the barn and that barn looks exactly like that. It just looked like a production designer went in there and made that place look amazing. So we were like, man, let's we're moving all this kitchen stuff. It's all happening in this barn. So we restoryboarded it with the barn in mind. And it just, I don't know, I think it just gives the movie that extra thing that makes it feel great to me. Did you guys keep anything from the production? Oh, we got the masks. <laughs> we got our own masks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's much the, the dismay of yeah, both the, families. Yeah. The, the dismay of his wife and my girlfriend is like, that mask is always getting put in places where nobody can see it. But I'm always like, I want to leave the mask out. I love it. Oh, <laughs> you got to have it a display made for it and make it look all. Yeah. Great. And we only need to use it for the sequel. In this unique time where just about everything is closed, including movie theaters, The Wretched will be released on digital and video on demand, as well as theaters on May 1st. More specifically, the drive-in theater, theaters in Arizona, California, Florida, and Georgia. Talk about this unique decision for this drive-in release, and do you think the situation will perhaps bring back the drive-in theater experience nationwide? I uh, We were super excited about when they brought it up, because honestly, like, you know, the COVID thing, it was so scary when it started kicking off, but also like for being independent filmmakers, you know, we've been looking forward to our movie coming out for years, you know? <laughs> so when this, when COVID came up and we're like, Oh, now our movie's not going to come out, you know, in the way we thought it was going to. But when IFC gave us the heads up about, we're going to do all drive-ins, 
as soon as they we were just like, oh, that that's we were happy as soon as they told us it was going to be safe and that they're you know they're they're doing all the precautions and stuff that they should do. We got really stoked. It's a drive-in movie in a way. I mean, like they, it, it's a a fun roller coaster ride horror movie. So we were all about it. And I think, I, from what I hear, like from the one out by us where it's going to play, is people are going there like crazy because I mean we're all stir crazy, and it's like the only safe thing we can do where we get out of the house. So I mean I hope it causes like a renaissance of drive-in movie theaters because I mean, I have such good memories of going to drive in with my dad and all that stuff too. So I'm all pro it. I hope it happens. <laughs> yeah. And for us, evil dead, because it was unrated, they could only play in the drive-ins, I guess was sort of the, the original story. So it's kind of cool that we're going down the same path <laughs> by very different means. But uh, yeah, I hope, I hope drive-ins come back. We've always loved drive-ins. Just like the guys in Deadheads watching yeah. Evil Dead in the drive-ins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Do you guys uh, out here? There's uh, oh, there's this awesome one, Mission Tiki out of Montclair. It's a tiki-themed drive-in. Yeah, it's it's going to be playing, playing there. We're playing. We're going to be there Friday night. That's yep. so awesome. Are you guys going to do yeah. anything there? Are you guys doing like a, a social distance Q and A or something from there? I don't know. We're definitely going to be there, and uh, a bunch of the crew and cast are going. I know that. Oh wow! Yeah, we're gonna. We're asking. We're trying to figure out what's safe to do, and if there is something safe that we can do, we're going to do it. <laughs> well, as Mick Dinkle nice. would say, "Free five, oh fuck!" <laughs> Get in the back of the fucking truck. And <laughs> 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 go see it in the driving. Oh my god! So, what's next up for you guys? I've heard tales that there might be a werewolf film uh, i've heard about that in the past what what's coming up next down the line yeah, that's that's the big thing that we're kind of working on you know on just on our end i think it's the just a really unique sort of way into a werewolf movie we've never seen before it feels like sort of a modern take on the werewolf and we we love the idea of sort of reinventing these classic horror icons in in a completely new way that's what we were excited about with the wretched so that's our thing but we've also you know, for the first time, this this thing sort of opened a lot of doors for us. So we've been meeting with a lot of um, people in the Hollywoods trying to make other projects happen and figure things out. So we'll see. The only werewolf to be killed by a chicken sandwich. (laughs) 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 Well, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time to hang with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We love you guys. Oh, thanks. It's our pleasure, guys. We love what you're doing. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 124. Special thanks to our guests, the Pierce Brothers. Follow at the Wretched Movie on Instagram and at time of release, check it out on VOD, digital, and select drive in theaters everywhere as of Friday. Friday, May 1st. Showtimes and more at WretchedMovie.com. Also, see their film Deadheads. You will not regret it. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying stay safe, stay healthy, and sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo the Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! 
Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.